0: Well, good evening, everyone. It is great to be able to see you tonight. It's great to be able to share with you tonight and to be able to continue this series on John. And I asked Gavin the question this morning, how long have you guys actually been working your way through John? And he said, oh, probably about a year. And I kind of went, well, at my last church, I think the longest series we did was 12 weeks. So well done, you're going well. Uh, Tonight I want to look at John chapter 18, verses 15 to 27. And this is Peter's denial and one of Jesus' trials. But I know that uh, it's so easy to forget what happened at the start of the week, let alone what you did yesterday. And I want to just start off by placing this passage in a little bit of context. Because in John's Gospel, he has been telling us right from the start who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then he's shown us that through the way that Jesus has acted, through the stories of what Jesus has done and what he's taught. And then in John chapter 13, about six chapters ago, we started the last night. We've had Peter being told... You are going to deny me three times. Then the disciples have had a lovely meal. They've celebrated the Passover together and Jesus has given it new significance of what is about to happen. But they had a great time together. There was good food and as the disciples were chilling around with Jesus afterwards, he taught them. And so their minds are full and then they headed to the Garden of Gethsemane because it was time for Jesus to pray and he asked these disciples, I want you to stay awake while I go away and pray. And Mike took us on a little bit of a tangent from John into Mark last week. And we looked at that prayer of Jesus. Not my will, God, but yours. And after that, we've got some guards coming up into the garden wanting to arrest Jesus. You know, all all these things have happened in the space of just a couple of hours. This has been a very full day. The disciples would have gotten up early that morning and now it's the middle of the night. They're tired. There has been a lot going on. And so when the guards come up, Peter, good old impetuous Peter, whips out his sword because the adrenaline's going and he lops off one of the guards' ears. And then he gets told off by Jesus. And so that's a little bit of the context. We finish with Jesus wandering away, arrested. And it's into this that the passage that I am looking at tonight comes from. And so let's have a look at this passage. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. And the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? she asked. He replied, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Meanwhile... The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me, surely they know what I said. And when Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest? He demanded. If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it, and at that moment, a rooster began to crow. You know, one of the things that I find fascinating and that blew my mind the first time I heard it is the fact that each of the four Gospels emphasise something different about Jesus. They're all trying to teach us and show us a different side or part of Jesus. That blew my mind when I first encountered it, but now whenever I see a story that is in all four of the Gospels, I always like to look at what the other other Gospel writers have said and to see what it is that is being emphasised in this one. And I realise that John wants to send us back to school. You know, what John is wanting to do is he's wanting us to compare and contrast. It feels like I'm back at uni again and having to write an assignment. But John has actually structured this story in a way that is very different from any of the other gospel writers. The other gospel writers will have a trial of Jesus and then Peter's denials, or Peter's denials and then a trial of Jesus, whereas John mixes them together. There's almost like this sandwich that he creates with the first part, Peter's first denial. And then the second part is Jesus' trial with Annas. And then the third part, Peter's second and third denials. And as I looked at that this week, I thought about Hebrew poetry. Because in Hebrew thought and Hebrew poetry, what they would do is they would take the most important part and place it in the middle. We often like to put our most important part at the end and we build to it, whereas they put it in the middle. And so what John's kind of saying is, hey, I want you to actually look at two separate examples here because what we've actually got is we've got two trials. There's a formal trial of Jesus and there's just this informal trial of Peter, the kind of trial that we face all the time at work or at school or down at the gym, or wherever. And John's wanting us to look at what's different about the two of them. And so let's look at Peter's trial first. So verses 15 to 18, Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back and spoke to the servant girl on duty there and brought Peter in. So right from the outset, you can see that Peter's feeling a bit like an outsider here. And then the servant girl asked him, You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? she asked. He replied, I am not. It was cold and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself up. Peter is feeling like he's on the outside, but he's wanting to join in. He's wanting to be part of the group. And then the second part of Peter's story, verses 25 to 27. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you are one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? And again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. You know, when I look at Peter's trial, there's a couple of things that I notice. The first is Peter is worried and in absolute turmoil in this situation. Can you imagine all the emotions that Peter's gone through over the last couple of hours? Jesus the person that he respects more than anyone else on the planet, has said, before this night finishes, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, like that's going to happen. But it's just sitting there in the back of his mind. There's that great meal that they share together. It's a high point. It's wonderful. They go to the garden. Jesus says, I want you to stay awake and I want you to keep watch. And Peter goes to sleep. So he's feeling a bit bad about that, highs and lows. And then it's time for Jesus to be arrested. And the adrenaline kicks in. And Peter, without thinking, he forgets the learning of the new kingdom that Jesus is trying to bring, and he just acts on instinct and uses his sword. And Jesus, the person he was trying to protect, doesn't celebrate him for it. He tells him off. Can you imagine just how wild those emotions are? That turmoil that Peter's in right now? Because I can tell you, if I was in that situation, I would have vomited multiple times at this stage just from the anxiousness and the worry in my guts. And so Peter is in absolute turmoil. His whole world has been turned upside down. But more than that, Peter is entering a hostile environment. Peter is entering this place where people are not friendly to him. He's entering the den of the enemy. But what I love about that, and I think something that is often overlooked when we talk about Peter, is all the other disciples scarpered. All the other disciples ran away, but Peter follows Jesus along with one other. Peter has chosen to enter this hostile environment, but I'm sure you can all imagine what it's like to walk into a room and feel like everybody's part of a group and you're not part of it. It's uncomfortable. It's difficult. It's not something that you like to do unless you're really, really weird. And so Peter's entering into this place. And as he enters in, because of that turmoil, because of that hostile environment that he's in, Peter feels alone. He feels like he has got no one there beside him or no one there around him. There is another disciple there, but he feels alone. And so it's into that place that Peter is questioned. And every time that Peter is questioned, His question is asked the same question. You're not one of his followers too, are you? There's this sense that they're expecting a negative answer because after all, why would one of Jesus' followers come into the high priest's courtyard? Like, that's stupidity. And so they're expecting this negative response. They're expecting him to go, not at all. I'm just here to warm up or I'm here to see the show or whatever. And I think the thing about Peter that I relate to is that when Peter denies Jesus, this wasn't an intentional desire to deny Jesus because he'd followed him there. This wasn't an intentional desire to separate himself from Jesus or to walk away from Jesus. This was Peter taking the path of least resistance. And you know what? I know a lot about taking the path of least resistance. I know that as a parent, I have taken the path of least resistance in the middle of the night a lot of times because there are times when you have a new baby and they are screaming in the middle of the night and you know that you're trying to teach them to self-soothe or to go back to sleep themselves, but it's just easier to put them to sleep in your arms and then put them back in the bassinet, or the cot, or whatever. You take the path of least resistance because it's easy, because you're overwhelmed, because you're stressed, and because it's hard. And when I look at Peter in this situation, I go, this is an overwhelmed, stressed person, and he does the sort of thing that I think I would do in that situation too. And he chooses to take that path of least resistance And yet as he does so, Peter chooses to lie to himself as well as to the other people. He chooses to deny part of himself because he wants to fit in. It's like he splits himself into two people. There is Peter, the disciple, who is willing to stand up with a sword and cut a guy's ear off, not the example we're meant to follow. And then you've also got Peter, who just wants to fit in, who says he's not a Christ follower. And you know, I can relate to that. But the problem is when we choose to lie to ourselves and to others, we actually destroy the foundation that we stand on. We cause ourselves to lose the integrity of And the testimony and the witness that God is building in our lives. Because when people catch us out, and it happens, all of a sudden they go, well, if I can't trust you in that, why should I trust you about this God stuff? Now, I've got in my office, uh, I took, with permission, a small group study from my last church. And it's a small group study book by Bill Hybels, who was the leader of Willow Creek Church. And the reason that I have that in there is because this Bible study book is called uh, Who You Are When Nobody's Looking. It's a study on integrity. And unfortunately, a few years ago, it came out that Bill Hybels was living two lives, that he wasn't actually the same person behind closed doors as he was up the front. And it has destroyed his ministry it's hindered what God was doing in him and through him because now everybody looks at things that he has written and done and gone. well, can I actually trust that? And so I have that sitting in my office as a reminder to me of the need to be the same wherever I go. Because when we lie to ourselves, we destroy what God is doing in us. But more than that, we allow ourselves to open ourselves up to the shame that comes from Genesis chapter 3, to the shame that comes from sin and the fall. Because the end of this story is the rooster crows. An understanding of what has just happened floods into Peter's mind and he weeps bitterly. As soon as this situation is over, he is repentant and he weeps and he is sorry and ashamed but he's done it. And that's the challenge. And so I wonder, can you think of a time when you take that path of least resistance? It might be in the workplace. It might be at home with your family. It might be on the soccer field, because everybody knows You don't have to be nice and Christian on the soccer field. Where do you take that path of least resistance, the easy way out? And this isn't just about denying Jesus. This is also about those situations where you feel something stirring inside you that this isn't right. It's that feeling inside that you go, you know what, I am seeing something that is not fair. I am seeing something where justice is not happening properly. But you don't want to rock the boat. And so you don't say anything about it. You don't stand up or tell anyone. It's when you feel uncomfortable about the conversations or the jokes, but you choose to just stay quiet instead of being true to that that prompting that's inside. You know, I called this message, Do You Speak Truth?, because we are challenged to actually live and speak truth in all that we do. And I'm gonna stand up here now and say, I struggle with taking the path of least resistance so often. There are so many times that I choose to not say anything and I've got all sorts of excuses in my head. I don't have enough information to challenge that. Or I need to be respectful or hey, they're not going to listen to me anyway, so why bother? And yet, and yet, every time I choose to stay quiet, I feel that shame. I feel that guilt. And I realize that God is actually calling us to do something different. And so this is one of the things that John is wanting to point out with us, point out to us. He's showing us that Peter has taken the path of least resistance, but he wants us to contrast it with Jesus. And so Jesus' trial, John 18, verses 19 to 24. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple when all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me, surely they know what I said. And when Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way that you answer the high priest, he demanded. If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. See, there's a lot of similarities between Jesus and Peter in this moment. They have both had a rough night. See, only an hour or two hours ago, Jesus was in a garden praying so hard that he was sweating blood. He was anxious and worried and in turmoil. And as Mike shared with us last week, he then came to the point of, not my will, God, but yours. And it was then that Jesus was arrested and he was taken here, but... Jesus is facing an incredibly hostile environment here. See, they've already decided the verdict. They've already decided he's guilty. They're just trying to illegally get him to admit it. And so Jesus is in this very similar position to Peter. But what I love about Jesus is he remains firm about who he is. In verse 20, it says, I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. And I love Jesus' example here because Jesus is able to actually share this truth openly and honestly. He's able to stand firm and go, you're trying to make all these accusations, but this is the truth. And he puts it out there and he says it boldly. But he also doesn't require them to believe him. It's not actually about whether they believe him or not. He's standing true to who he is. And I love it because Jesus is showing he is the same behind closed doors as he is in the open. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together, I said nothing in secret. I have spoken openly. Jesus is saying, I am the same person whether I'm with my disciples and teaching them or I'm out at the synagogue. I'm going to teach them the same. I'm going to share with them the same because I'm the same person. I'm standing firm on who God has created me to be. See, Jesus is speaking truth in word and in action. And he's demonstrating uh, who he's called to be. And so if John is putting these two examples up here for us, and if John is showing us that this is an example that we're called to follow, how do we actually do this? What is it that we're meant to do? Because it's all well and good to know that's the example to go for, but how do we get to that place? And I love it because this week a verse from Peter, or First Peter came to mind, and it was First Peter... Chapter 3, verse 15, and I love that this has come from one of Peter's letters because I think it demonstrates the fact that he has learnt and he has grown and he has taken it on board. And it says this, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. I think there's a couple of things here that we can take away. The first one is keep your eyes and your heart focused on Jesus. You know, it starts off, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Jesus had just been in the Garden of Gethsemane praying and he sweated blood and then submitted to God. Not my will, but yours. We should be easy on ourselves and just skip the sweating blood part and go straight to submitting to God. Keep our eyes focused on God. Keep him as our focus. Because we all face turmoil in our words. We all face days where it feels like we are attacked from left, right and centre, especially if you're a parent of multiple kids. And so, sometimes we need to just stop. God... Can you help me in this moment? God, give me wisdom. Just keep redirecting the focus to God. The second one is be prepared. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. See, Peter was put on the back foot because he was in turmoil. He wasn't aware of what was happening, and all of a sudden he just went with the path of least resistance. He went with the easy answer. But he's saying, put in some thought beforehand. Be prepared. Think about how you will answer. If somebody asks you, why are you happy, despite all the difficult things, what are you going to say? If somebody asks you, what did you do on your weekend? How are you going to answer them? Are you going to just talk about Saturday or are you going to share about church on Sunday? Be prepared. Think it through. Ahead of time. But the other key thing is know that when we fail, because we are going to fail, we are going to make mistakes, we are going to stuff up. But when we fail, know that we are forgiven. I was talking to Gavin last week and saying, I can't deal with Peter's denials in John chapter 18 without finishing with John chapter 21. John chapter 21 verses 15 to 17 say, and this is after Jesus has risen from the tomb. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him for the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I love that Jesus knows exactly what Peter needed. For three denials, there are three reinstatements. Sometimes we need to be reminded, no matter how many times we fail, God's grace is sufficient for us. No matter how many times we make a mistake, no matter how many times we stuff up, we are forgiven. And that's not a license for us to go crazy and go, well, it doesn't matter anymore. But it's a license to actually let go and to be easy on ourselves when we fail because... We might have stuffed up last time. Peter did. And he did again in Acts. Paul has to challenge him about who he's eating with. We're going to fail. We find forgiveness in Jesus to try again. Because God has covered over each and every one of our sins. And so I want to encourage you. Forget about where you haven't succeeded in the past. And instead, ask yourself, will I stand firm today and speak truth with gentleness and respect? Would you pray with me? Lord God, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for the example of Jesus. And Lord, I want to thank you for the example of Peter. Because Lord, I know that I can relate to Peter so much. There are so many times that I can take that path of least resistance. Lord God, I pray that you would give us the wisdom to be able to choose in those moments which path we will take. And even though it might be harder, Lord, help us to stand firm and speak truth with gentleness and respect. Lord God, as we go about our week this week, Lord, help us to be prepared, to to focus our minds and our hearts on you and to be prepared for what you are going to do. And Lord, I pray that you will give us the words to say when we have no words. Lord, these things we pray in your name. Amen.